You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Paul Boutan on the Calvary Brighton Podcast. Now, remember, before Christmas, we just finished our study uh, in our series in 1 Samuel. Now, next week, uh, we will we'll kind of get back to that. We'll start up a new series in 2 Samuel, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 1. But because today is New Year's Eve, today we're going to be in Romans chapter 6 in a message that I've titled, New Year, New Walk. New Year, New Walk. And so with that, we're going to spend our time in the first seven verses. And let's look at those now. Uh, The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, he says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, then we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we are no longer to be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you that as this year's passed and the new year approaches, we thank you that, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, that we, we worship the living God, the true God, and although our circumstances change and, and problems arise and things go up and things come down, Lord, you are always there. You are faithful and true. So Lord, we, we, we not only lived for you this past year, but we look forward to you this upcoming year. We pray, Lord, that you would equip us for what lies ahead and that you would empower us to be able to give you glory no matter what the circumstances bring in this next upcoming year. So we pray this now and everyone say it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, some of you know that, that this past year, I, I, I took on a, a very small part-time job uh, as a, just a few hours a week as a, as a personal trainer over at the rec center. Now, as a trainer at the rec center, I, I, I've discovered that, that this is that time of the year, you know, uh, the, the, the first part of January, that first week of January, this is that time of the year where, where gyms all over are, are filled with people who are making so-called New Year's resolutions. You know, people who've made the vow that, that, that you know, they're, they're going to make some changes in their life. You know, they've, they've vowed that they're going to they're gonna lose some weight or they're going to start to exercise or they're going to eat better. Or maybe they've made a vow that they're going to drop a few bad habits, stop drinking, stop smoking or whatever it is. In fact, I talked to one guy who said that his New Year's resolution was, was, to, was, to, was to help his friends each gain 10 pounds so that he looks skinnier. That's his New Year's resolution. <laughs> Somebody was writing that down. Uh, a recent study says that one out of every three, three New Year's resolutions made on January 1st will be broken by January 31st. Now, this doesn't help. I, I saw this meme this past week that said, Dairy Queen, ruining your New Year's resolutions since 1962. <laughs> well, this morning's message in, in Romans chapter 6 is, is not a message about making New Year's resolutions. Rather, it's a reminder that, that if you gave your life to Jesus Christ, he gave you a new life. He changed your life. He transformed your life. He, you, you are a new you, which means that everything about you is new, including your walk. Now, in the Bible, the word walk is, is used figuratively to describe your lifestyle, to describe the direction of your life. So if he's changed your life, he's given you a new direction for your life. 
And so therefore we need to walk in that new direction. So it's a new year and a new walk. So now with that, as we go back to to the first two verses, verses one and two, uh, we we discover, Paul tells us, that, that the new you has a new relationship with sin. The new you has a new relationship with sin. Verse one says again, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who also died to sin still live in it? And so right away we see in verse 1 that Paul tells us that we have died to sin. That now that we've accepted Christ, now that Jesus is in our life, it's as if we have a new relationship with sin. In other words, our new relationship with sin is in the past tense. We have a past tense relationship with sin. Now remember, uh, the Bible teaches over and over that, that, that now that we're Christians, now that we're followers of Christ, we now have two natures. We have the old you and the new you. Your, your, your old nature and your new nature, your, your sinful nature and your spiritual nature. Uh, the Apostle Paul put it this way in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. He said that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is being created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You put off the old and you put on the new. Or as 2 Corinthians 5.17 reminds us, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And so the Bible tells us that that you've become a new creation, but the problem is that the old creation still exists. The the old you is still alive. You know, you are a new man, but the old man is still putting up a fight. In fact, uh, later on in in, in the next chapter, Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul basically tells us that, that these two natures that we now have, the old and the new, the old us and the new us, the, 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 the sinful nature and the spiritual nature are now at war with one another, constantly battling each other. And as a result, oftentimes we find ourselves in Romans chapter 7 in this, in this place where the thing that we want to do, which is serve God, seek God, we find ourselves not doing. But then on the other hand, the thing that we no longer want to do, which is fall into sin and fall into temptation, we find ourselves still doing. And, 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 and so we have this constant struggle between the old and the new. We're a new creation, we're a new man, but the old man is still putting up a fight. And that's why later on in this chapter, Romans chapter 6, verse 11, Paul says this. He says, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now in that, Paul is telling us that the secret to victory over the old you, the secret to victory over the sinful nature, is to to consider yourself dead. Your, 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 Your new relationship with sin is in the past tense. You have died to sin. But now as we pick it up in verses 3 and 4, now Paul shows us that that baptism, he uses baptism as a reminder that it's out with the old and in with the new. And so in verse 3, Paul says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him uh, by baptism into death in order that, the, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. And so the, the picture is, is that now as, as followers of Christ, as followers of Jesus, baptism for us speaks of the, of the, of the death and resurrection of Jesus. 
But more than that, it also speaks of our new identity. In other words, as Christians, we actually identify, we have our identity in his death and his resurrection. That's why he said back in verse 3, do you not know that as many of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We identify with his death, but then more than that, also with his resurrection. He goes on, he says, therefore, we were, were, were buried with him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also walk in the newness of life. The, 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 the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So the moment we accepted Jesus, in that moment, we died, we died to sin. That is, we, we repented from that old life. That is, we, we turned away from that old lifestyle, those old addictions, those old cravings, those old habits. Those things are now dead to us, and we're now living a new life in Christ, the newness of life. That's what's illustrated with baptism. In other words, just as Jesus died on the cross... For our sins, he was then buried for three days in the tomb. And then after three days on the third day, he then rose again to new life. Well, in the same way, we have died to our old lifestyle, died to those old cravings, died to those old desires. Those things are dead. They're buried in the water of baptism, so to say. And when we rise up out of those waters, we're leaving the old behind and we're rising to the new. I think I've told you before the, the story of the missionaries who went to the Barbados Islands. They went there, they, they preached the gospel to a, a group of villagers and they ended up leading the whole village to faith in Christ. In fact, the whole village, they, they all wanted to get baptized. But the missionaries were, were a little uncertain. They weren't sure if everybody really understood what baptism really was all about. But they thought, you know what? We, we don't want to lose this excitement. Let, let's capitalize on it. Let's go ahead and baptize them anyway. But they're a little confused because that evening when everybody showed up for the baptism, uh, the, the, the women all showed up in their nightgowns to be baptized in. And the men showed up in their pajamas to be baptized. The missionaries thought, oh, this doesn't look good. I, I don't think they really understand. But they baptized them anyway. Well, about a week later, there was a funeral. And they noticed that, that, that in the casket, uh, the deceased person was in his pajamas. At that point, the missionaries turned to the, to the chief of the tribe and they're like, hey, uh, listen, you got to explain this pajama thing. I mean, I mean, first you baptize uh, in, in your pajamas and, and then you bury your dead in, your, in, in their pajamas. I mean, what's up with the pajamas? And the chief of the tribe, he says, well, you see, we believe that when a person dies, they go to sleep. So therefore, we always bury the dead in their sleepwear, in their pajamas. That's when the missionaries understood that, that these villagers really did understand what baptism was about, that it was about being buried, that they died to sin. They were buried, the old life was buried, and they've risen to the newness of life in Christ. We like to say that it's an outward sign of an inward reality. It's a sign on the outside that you've been changed on the inside. And by the way, you do not get baptized to become a Christian. Rather, once you've become a Christian, you get baptized to show the world that, that you identify with his death, his burial, and his resurrection, that you identify with Christ. And I might add that, that it doesn't matter what kind of water you get baptized in. It doesn't have to be an official baptismal at an official church. We read in, in Acts chapter 8, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch gets baptized basically in a body of water, probably a river on the side of the road. In fact, I remember 27 years ago when we planted this church, uh, our, our first few baptisms were over in the Platte River. And I tell people, listen, once you get baptized in the Platte River, you're going to smell your baptism for like three weeks. 
Yeah, we've, we, we've rented out you know, the, 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 the rec center swimming pool for baptisms. We've rented out the Brighton Oasis for, 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 for baptisms. We've done baptisms in backyard swimming pools, even in, in above ground pools in, at, at a farm. In fact, in our old building, we, we, we would do a baptism in a horse trough, fill up the horse trough with water. That is, until the horse trough one day sprouted a leak, and then we ended up flooding the, the jewelry store below. So we basically baptized a jewelry store. And so nowadays, in fact, this, this last fall, if, if you were here, when we do baptisms, we now do them in, a, in an inflatable hot tub. The baptisms are starting to get a little cushy around here, a little bougie. And so we did a, ba- a baptism this fall. We'll probably do another one sometime this year. But, but, but I even heard about a church in, in, in Sturgis that was actually uh, doing their baptisms in a waterproof casket. Had a sign outside that said, people are dying to get baptized in this church. And the point is that, you know what, the body of water is not what matters, but rather what matters is what the water represents, that it's an outward sign of an inward reality. It's a reminder that you were baptized into his death and you were raised to new life. Therefore, walk in that new life, out with the old and in with the new. And now as we pick it up in verses five and six, Paul reminds us that the old you is dead. Verse five, For if we've been united with them in in, in a death like his, then we shall certainly be united with them in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we no longer would be enslaved to sin. And so Paul says that that the old self was crucified. In other words, that the old is dead. The old is gone. Uh, on, on other occasions, the Apostle Paul, when he, when he describes our relationship between the old versus the new, the old you versus the new you, he, he, he describes it as if you're, you're taking off old, beat up, tattered, ratty, old clothing, and then putting on instead brand new robes of righteousness. Taking off the old and putting on the new. For example, uh, Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, he says, But now you yourselves are to put off these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. He's saying, you know what? All that stuff in the past, your, your anger, your wrath, your, your malice, blasphemy, filthy language, all of it, you wore it. It was like your, out, your external identity. People looked at you and that's how they knew you. But that's the old you. He says, take that stuff off. Put off the old you. And then he goes on in Colossians 3.10 and says, and have put on the new man who's renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So he says, put off the old and put on the new. Take off those old garments of the past and put on his new robes of righteousness. Now, speaking of taking off and putting on, let me ask you, how many of you know someone who's, who's a slave to fashion? Why are you looking at me like that? You know I'm not a slave to fashion. Look at me. Uh, you know, but how many of you know someone who's, who's always keeping up with the latest trends, the, 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 you know, the, the newest hairstyles, the latest fashions, and all that? You know? So in the 70s, they were rocking those bell bottoms. And then in the 80s, they were rocking those, those leopard print spandex. You know who you are. Or maybe some, some, some parachute pants. You know, but, but then again, how many of you know someone who, who got like stuck in a fashion decade? I mean, here we are, we just finished uh, 2023 going into 2024 and they're still rocking those leopard spandex from the 80s. Maybe they're still rocking that, that 80s mullet. And so the Apostle Paul saying, he's saying, you know what? The same thing can happen to us spiritually. 
That, you know, uh, you, you get saved, you give your life to Jesus, Jesus gives you a brand new life, and yet you're still trying to rock that old lifestyle. You're still living the same old way. You're still drinking and partying. You're still smoking and token. You're still speaking trucker, if you know what I mean. And so he, you, you've been saved. He gave you a new life, but you're trying to live the same old life. Again, this is not a message about keeping up with the latest fashion. Rather, this is a message about making sure that when the world looks at us, they see that something's changed. They see that there's something new. The world looks at us and, 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 they, and they see, they, they don't see our past, they see our future. They don't see where we've been, they see where we're going. That we're people of the king moving forward with the king. And so he's saying, listen, now that you're saved, now that you have a new life, now that there's a new direction in your life, you've got to leave the old crowd. You've got you you to leave that old lifestyle. You've got to leave those old habits. As Charles Spurgeon used to say, you and your sins must separate or you and your God can never come together. And so Paul says, put off the old and put on the new. Put off those old cravings, those old addictions, and put on the new you. Again, Paul says in, later in Romans chapter 13, verse 12 through 14, he says, So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in, in, in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity or immoral living and in quarreling or jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let, and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Off with the old and on with the new. Why? Because Paul says the old is dead. The old you was crucified. And now in verse 7, we're reminded that, that we have a new direction, and it's time to walk in that new direction. It's time to walk your new walk. Verse 7, For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now this is interesting. When we go back to the beginning, go back to verse 1, Paul starts by asking a question. And the question he asks in, in verse 1 is, how can we who died to sin still live in it? And then he sums it up. He concludes by saying in verse 7, for, for one who has died has been set free from sin. So we put them both together, and you can sort of paraphrase it this way. But Paul's basically saying, listen, if, 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 if you're dead to sin, if, if, if your relationship with sin is in the past tense, well, then why are you still trying to live that old, dead life? Why are you still trying to live in the past tense? He's saying, listen, Jesus died to set you free from that sin. Jesus died to, 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 to set you free from that old life, to set you free from that dead life. You've been set free from the past, so therefore stop trying to live in the past. Whereas verse 4 says, start walking in the newness of life. And so, in effect, he's saying, listen, if, if, if Jesus has changed your life, then that means he should be changing the direction of your life, the way you live that life. Listen to this. If you're choosing to live in the past, you're choosing to make yourself a slave to the past. But verse 7 tells us we've been set free. You died, and so therefore you've been set free. 
This reminds us of Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4, where it says, By his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and freed those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. And so this means that, 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 that you can be free from, from sin's grip, from, from sin's stranglehold on your life. Now listen, some of us are, are actually foolish enough to, to, to think that we are in control. That we can quit anytime we want to. We're in control. We, we we're foolish enough to think, you know what? I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want whenever I want to. But I think the Roman statesman Seneca was right centuries ago when he said, no man is free who's a slave to the flesh. It's been well said, you know what? If, if you have something that you cannot live without, you don't control it. It's controlling you. Whereas Jesus simply said in, in John 8, 34, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. Listen, let me ask you, is there, is there something that has a hold on your life right now? Is there something that, that, that has control, something that, that, that's got its grip on you? Are you trapped under the power of, of, of some drug or, or alcohol or pornography? I mean, is there something in your life that, that you've tried over and over and over again to get free from, and yet it's like, no matter how hard you try, you never truly get free? Well, you can be. Because listen, I don't care uh, what power you're under right now, Jesus can break that power over your life. You know, as a pastor, I, I often get asked, uh, frequently asked questions, I like to call them. You know, people come up after the service and they'll say, hey, pastor, what about the rapture? What about predestination? You know, what about aliens? What about Bigfoot? What, what, about, what about the Nephilim? But one of the questions I'm often asked as a pastor is, is this. People often come up and say, hey, pastor, you know, now that I'm a Christian, as a Christian, can I still do fill in the blank? As a Christian, can I, can, I, can I still do all the sin that I used to do? You know, as a Christian, can I still drink? Can I still party? Can I still get high? You know, as a Christian, can I still sleep with my girlfriend? Can I still do this or can I still do that? Now listen, some of us, before Christ came into our lives and got a hold of us and changed our life, we were in bondage to those things. We were enslaved to those things. And so basically, it, 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 it blows my mind. I mean, it just, it, just, it just absolutely amazes me that some of us would actually are, are, are asking and saying, you know what, now that I'm a Christian, am I free to go back to my slavery to sin? Now that I've been set free for, from this or set free from that, am I free to go back to my bondage to this lifestyle and to that sin and to this addiction? Now that I've been set free, can I, can I go back to my slave master and put on my shackles? You know, it's kind of like the children of Israel. You know, after, after God set them free from their bondage to Egypt, they were in bondage to Egypt for 400 years. And God uses 10 plagues to set them free. And after he sets them free, it seems that, that whenever things got hard, whenever things got difficult, whenever they were under stress and there was all this pressure, what did they do? They'd always grumble and complain and start to say things like, you know what, let's go back to Egypt. We were better off as slaves in Egypt. And in the same way, some of us, after we've become followers of Christ, you know, some of us, after a while, we, we start to feel lonely as Christians. So maybe we hit up an old flame from the past. Or, you know, on Friday nights, we get tired of being home alone. We start to feel bored. So we hit up our old crew. We go back to our old hangouts. Or, you know, we're feeling stressed. We're feeling all this pressure. So, so we go back to an old habit. Maybe we crack open some cold ones to take the edge off. Hey, listen, do you know what we're doing when we go back to do those things? What we're doing is we're going back to our slavery. 
going back to the thing that we're in bondage to. We're going back to that old life, that dead life. We're going back and living in the past tense. And as I said, when you choose to live in the past, you're choosing to be a slave of the past. And so this message in Romans chapter six is, 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 is not a message about making New Year's resolutions that we're never gonna keep. This is not a message about, about turning over a new leaf. Because as they say, the problem with turning over a new leaf is that once you've done it twice, you're right back to where you started. Now this, this is a message in Romans chapter six telling us and reminding us that we have two natures, the old nature and the new nature. The old you and the new you. But listen, the old you is dead. Leave it that way. Leave it dead. Stop going back to what's dead. Verse seven says you've been set free from it. You've been set free. So stop going back to the thing that enslaved you. Stop going back to the thing that controlled you and dominated. Listen, you've been set free. You now have new freedom. You have new life, which might mean you need some new habits. It might mean that you need some new hangouts and it might even mean you need some new friends. Because 1 Corinthians 15.33 reminds us that bad company corrupts good morals. In the year 1519, uh, Sea Captain Hernan Cortez set sail for Veracruz, Mexico. Now, it was a long journey. They had several ships in the process, and, and, and as they're making the way, there was storm after storm, and, and some of the ships were battered and damaged. Many people were sick, and some died. And finally, by the time they finally got to Veracruz, uh, they, uh, the, the, the crew was weary, and, and they were terrified, and, 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 and many of them wanted to turn back to their old life. And so Cortez gave the, gave the command to burn the ships to make sure that no one could turn back to their old life. In the same way, listen, that's what some of us might need to do. We might need to burn the ships. Maybe it's time to burn some bridges. Maybe it's time to burn some old relationships. Why? Because you've been given a new life. And with that new life came a new direction. Walk in that new direction. A new life, new walk which means we need to walk away from the past and start walking, as verse four said, in the newness of life. Ephesians 4.1 puts it this way, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. Ephesians 5.8 says, walk as children of the light. You've been given a new life with a new direction. Walk in that new direction. Amen? So Father, we thank you that you gave us your son, to save us, to set us free, but also to change us and help us to walk in that new freedom. Lord, you not only called us to be saved, you called us to walk in you, to have a, a new direction in you, a, a whole new life in you. So it help us to, 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 to leave the past behind, to reckon the old man dead and to move forward into the newness of the life that you've given us. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Calvary Brighton podcast. To find out more about our ministry in Brighton, Colorado, go to calvarychapelbrighton.com.